G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. In this episode, we take a deep dive into Hava, a startup that's revolutionizing cloud management for business, and one that's been funded through Blackbird Flock, which is a new initiative from one of Australia's biggest venture funds. Then, Startup Musters' Monica Wolf joins us to talk about the sudden spike in interest from governments around Australia in the data collected in their annual survey of the startup community and what's in store for this year and how all of us can help. It's back to business on This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is proudly sponsored by Braintree, the easy all-in-one payment solution for your app or website, and API Days, Australia's largest conference dedicated to the business and technology of APIs. Back in the first episode of Series 4, angel investor Yvonne Everett credited... By the way, if you make a mistake... Don't worry about it. We'll edit it out. Just back up if you sure need to you pause. Know. I know how this works. Exactly. And then there's a blooper reel at the end. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, it's mostly me. So don't worry about that. Back in the first episode of Series 4, angel investor Yvonne Everett credited cloud services like Amazon Web Services for opening angel investing to a much larger audience because startups need to purchase very little infrastructure to achieve scale and that makes them cheaper to fund and that means that syndicates of smaller angel investors can now provide enough runway to get a startup going and so what that has meant is that nearly every tech startup in Australia relies on cloud services for its operations and that is a fantastic enabler but it's also created an enormous demand for talented DevOps. So nearly every startup in Australia relies on cloud services for its operations, and that has been a fantastic enabler. But it's also created an enormous demand for talented DevOps folks. Nearly every startup in Australia relies on cloud services for its operations, and that has been a fantastic enabler. But it's also created an enormous demand for talented DevOps folks to manage those services. And I have been told privately that if you list DevOps on your resume, you will be making the kind of money that miners made back at the top of the boom. Now, that kind of skills demand, that is an opportunity. And it's one that wasn't lost on our next guest, Peter Gatt is the co-founder of Hava, a startup that is building tools for pretty much anyone who's using those cloud services. And that's pretty much every tech startup, both here in Australia and everywhere else in the world. And with Peter is Melbourne Matt Allen, who had a, f a hand in funding Hava, which is a story in itself, but that will come to you. Peter, Matt, welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. So, Peter, tell us in brief, what does Hava do? Why do I need it if I'm running on cloud? Yeah, no worries. Um, so one of the things uh, that uh, Hava does, you know, its primary purpose is around visualizing your cloud environments. Mm -hmm. um, now, why do I want to do that? Yeah, exactly. So uh, ultimately, one of the big things that comes out is, that, as you were saying before, um, a lot of the cloud adopting sort of companies out there, 
they end up, uh, you know, starting off very simply. They get into AWS and they, you know, or, or Azure or one of those clouds, right. and they start deploying their services. Um, and then it gets larger and larger. And they have more and they do more with it. And then very quickly, um, you end up with things like Sprawl, multiple credit cards, multiple accounts. Um, there's a lot of products out there that will give you lists, like different lists and stuff like that that you want to run, you know, of the environments that you're running. Mm. Um, but ultimately what we've found is that when you've got a visual representation mm. of that, you're mm. able to be able to tell what you're running and what you might be running incorrectly very quickly. Um, so a picture paints a thousand words, right. is something we say quite often. And it's exactly that case in uh, the technology world today. Um, so whether it be for startups or it be for the enterprise-sized companies, um, Basically, um, Harvard can visualize the components that you're doing um, to look at things like, you know, are you, is, it, is there ex- excessive cost? Um, is there, you know, uh, using the wrong types of resources in the wrong locations? All those sorts of things. And it's done visually, which means your brain is much, you know, it's, it's faster for your brain to be able to realize those anomalies very quickly. Yeah, you know, it's been noted that if things presented correctly visually, your brain will organize the information 5,000 times faster than it will if it's just trying to read numbers on a spreadsheet or something like that. I'm definitely going to take that stat and use it next month. It's it's, it's a stat from the old VR days when we were trying to show people the beauty of why data visualization was so important. All right. But it's it's implying now, does Hava have the intelligence inside the tool to point the finger and go, you're doing that wrong? Is that, or do you actually need to come to Hava with that knowledge? No. So normally, the good thing about Hava is um, it's it's very quick. Um, We actually have a concept and things that we say to our customers. We don't care how you got it there, nor do you. You just want to be able to see it. So the first thing you actually do with Harper is you point it out your cloud environment, and 20 or 30 seconds later, you get a view of everything you're running. Um, what happens naturally straight away after that is when you look at those environments, we have customers, when we sit there in the room with them the first time they use it, they look and they're like, I'm not running that. That, that was a, what's that? That's not us. Oh, my God. Obviously, the, you know, obviously your system's broken. Well, it's actually not ours. Maybe you're understanding that, right. uh, that may be broken there. And, and then they have a look at it, and very quickly, we've, we've had customers look at it and turn off $50,000 of resources after the first time of using Harbor because someone forgot that that was running. So Amazon must love slash hate you then. Uh, Amazon's all about re- um, reducing the cost for customers. Um, they'll tell you that themselves. Um, and, uh, yeah, but $50,000 is a lot of cost, we'll say. Is, is. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, Amazon um, you know, are doing a really good thing uh, with, with customers as well in that they don't just want to obviously take as much as they can. They want you to have the proper solutions and designs and architecture right. so as that you do scale and grow properly. Um, so they're in it for the long haul, not just for the short wins that you take there. So is this is Hava and our tools like Hava going to be the dominant paradigm going forward for people who are using cloud? Because, I mean, I, I, I think of cloud, particularly AWS, as being very command line oriented. And yeah. it, it always has been sort of... Yeah terrifyingly close to the metal yeah right and that the culture has sort of grown up around you know let me let me get the the keys and i'll log in and i'll and i'll spin i'll spin this up for you and now we're seeing these these pretty fancy web-based tools is this indicative of a maturation of cloud in in both i guess startup and enterprise i think so i think one of the biggest things is everyone adopted it very quickly yes as you said before it's become you know simple to do that now Um, one of the things though that you need to be able to do is you need to be able to measure to be able to manage your environments so any ways that throughout your environments you can have tools that look at monitoring measurement Mm. getting a view of what's happening so Mm. that you can actually get control over that environment that is definitely something that is now becoming, you know, the sort of lay of the land in the cloud environments. 
ThoughtWorks themselves and their tech radar in uh, May last year actually had, it went straight to adopt in their sort of radar of, you should be looking at, you know, visualizing your infrastructure diagrams right. today. Like, you, you need to get a view and control over these things. So the, the real trend I see is definitely around the, you just want as many metrics, as many views, as much data as you can get, so yeah. that you're making the most informed decisions. I just to sort of bring up my my ancientness in the late 1980s when I was working at Shiva, which was doing Apple Talk networks, and we had customers such as Boeing, and Boeing would have had the largest Apple Talk network in the world, and they didn't know what was on it because of the way Apple Talk works. And we could see customers coming, or vendors coming to them with tools which would actually visualize their networks, and they would have this aha moment, oh, I didn't know that printer was over there. I had no idea that file server was over there. And there is that sense that when systems that start out simple and cloud starts out being very simple become sufficiently complex that there is now a moment and that moment is a market opening for the tools to make the complex simple again so now that you're sort of on that front wave of that where does hava go in the business how do you defend yourself against becoming just a feature say that's in the amazon web services console or something like that yeah totally so um it's funny so we want hava to always be simple um, and the very first thing to do is to simply get those views and get the you know, graphs and the diagrams up and going. Um, that's part one. Very quickly, our customers return to us saying, now I want to see all of that stuff on that pretty diagram you've got. Show me all of this. And I want to analyze that. And I want to, uh, there's so much more that they want to get out of it once they can visually see So your customers are driving your future set. But no. <laughs> we're listening to the customers. <laughs> and it definitely feeds in there. Right. But, uh, no, no, no. We're not silly on that front. Um, but ultimately... What, we, what we'd like to do and where Harbour is definitely growing now is definitely about analyzing those environments. Like you said before, mm. um, AWS has the trusted advisor. Um, some of the other cloud, cloud providers don't really have that yet. But it's a concept of you're running this environment. Did you, did you really want to be running these 17 large instances? No. Or you know, it looks like load-wise you could be doing this. Um, Harbour is now about to plug into that as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually going to give you that trusted advisor view of Here's your architecture as soon as it's sucked it in. Mm. By the way, it looks like you're missing a NAT. It looks like you're missing routing from these components. So there's no way they could be working because no one can talk to them. Right. So what are they for? Right. Um, so things like that to just sort of have a checklist and questions and stuff like that to get a very quick way of looking at the environment as an architect, I guess, as well. Mm. So is that an expert system? Is that an AI component that's being plugged into this? It's uh, doing so, the analysis? So however... No, so a lot of the stuff initially with Harvard, what we want to do is uh, leverage the uh, information that's already out there. Right. There's no point in reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, so where those systems, uh, even partnering with other companies that have you know really deep ingrained ways of viewing that data and some of the analytics, we will suck that in. Um, and again, the, the benefit with Harvard is you get all of that in that visual view. It's not just graphs. So that means numbers. that from the point of view of the business, you have to think of the business as a series of partnerships to bring value to customers. Yeah, and, and I'd say initially, um, and then when we see the niche areas and places where we think, hey, though even those tools we're partnering with aren't really giving the customer the view they're asking for, we will grow and adapt to make sure that we offer that. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Mark Pesci with a few words about Twista Sponsors Braintree, code for easy online payments. Developers around the world have used Braintree's V.0 SDK as a simple way to accept PayPal, credit cards, debit cards, and whatever's next. With a single, scalable integration, you get robust fraud protection on over 130 currencies around the world, making your global expansion a snap. 
Using Braintree is as easy as integrating a few lines of code, but don't take their word for it. Try out the sandbox and see for yourself at braintreepayments.com slash twista. And we're back. We're talking to Peter Gatt, the co-founder of Hava, and we're talking to Melvin Matt Allen. So, Matt, the funding model for Hava is a little different and a little new and a little exciting. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. So um, at the end of last year, 2015, um, I was having a chat with um, Nikki Svek and Rick Baker from Blackbird. Right. Rick's already been on the show. Excellent. Uh, and they were, uh, we were having a chat around how uh, I've been doing my angel investing uh, mm-hmm. over the last three years. Mm-hmm. And um, as it turns out, uh, they came down to visit me and say good day, and uh, it turned out to be a little bit of an interview, um, <laughs> uh, which uh, is usually I'm on the other end of those things, so that was uh, that was interesting. Um, but at the end of the uh, end of the conversation, um, they spoke to me about uh, an idea they had, an experiment, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, it's called Blackbird Flock, mm-hmm. and what it is is a very small group of uh, angel investors who they, they have formed a relationship with and they have trust with, right. um, who um, are active angel investors who basically uh, get access to early uh, early stage startups. Uh, as Blackbird's grown, um, they obviously uh, have got a large fund now, but they still want to yes. get into early stage startups. But that's uh, a numbers game. Um, and also... A numbers game in that they have to be in as many as they can afford to be well, in. no, more along the lines of uh, there's lots of those. Right. And uh, you can't possibly vet every single one of them yourselves, especially as there's only two of them on their team. Or maybe right. Three now. Uh, so uh, they spoke to me and a couple of other uh, people down here in Melbourne, um, Alan from uh, Bugherd, who they've invested in, mm-hmm. and uh, Duncan from Ed Rollo, mm-hmm. and uh, asked us to basically um, loop them in whenever we're talking to startups. And if uh, we invest, they'll co-invest with us, uh, which gives us um, gives us more more opportunity to help out the startups. So we can have more impact on their early stage rounds, mm-hmm. and we can close down um, larger parts of the first round without having to go further. Um, so, so then, how did you and Peter get connected together around Harper? So, uh, Pete, his co-founder Jimmy, did Founder Institute with me down here in Melbourne mm-hmm. in our second semester last year, mm-hmm. um, and they uh, did a really good job. Uh, they they basically uh, came in the, the top chunk of the class. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both product people. The product existed. Um, they then approached me afterwards and asked me to be an advisor, um, which I've been doing since then. Mm-hmm. And uh, late last year, we basically had the discussion around: Do we want to uh, do we want to get some investment, and do we want to go hard, or are we happy to continue funding it out of uh, their services business that they continue to run? Right. Um, the services business is funded up until now. Um, there's been a full time employee on it for nearly a year now, I think. Yep. Yep. And um, but we decided that it was um, it was there was enough interest and enough um, uh, people interested to sort of give this a go. All right, so let's flip this back. So now, yeah, back to you, Peter. So how do you, as a founder, make the decision about taking capital and all of the encumbrances that are associated with capital, the loss of freedom that you have to answer to to, to your investors versus just keeping on funding it out of your own pocket? We actually probably have a different view to that. Um, It's probably a bit different to to maybe some of the other companies and how they've done it. Um, They kind of look to get the investment and throw away some control and that sort of stuff. And Mm. they look at it as, now I've got to report to people. Mm. Um, With Harper, we had a very different approach. Um, before even opening the funding round, we, you know, on Matters Advice as well, which was great, um, we already had paying customers. 
Um, we already had a, a good structure in place with the product and through the FI program, the business. Right. Um, and what we did was we said, we want to hit the accelerator. We now have got something. It's a really, even though we're in the early So this is really nitro for the carburetor. Yeah. And so for us, it was more of the conversations we have with investors and through, you know, through Matter and, and talking to Blackbird right. was more, we're doing this. Our money was behind it. We're confident in it. And we're looking to actually make money for investors, mm. which is, the, I guess, what an investor really wants to hear. Right? <laughs> They're like, I, I love your product. I really want to back you. But also, I hope this thing makes me want money right. one day. Right. Um, and so I think the approach we took was a little bit more structured in that we wanted the accelerator. We want to take it from, you know, very, you know, sort of small amounts of growth to let's go. Right. Which is, I mean... It- logically is exactly the right time to be asking for money and yet you see most startups asking before they've reached that point because they've reached the limits of what they can do yeah. before that point but you were able to and I guess self fund to the point where yeah. taking investment on and presumably getting a better price for that investment because you're in a better position we made also, sense. yeah we were also extremely lean uh, the concepts that come out of F program is lean, lean, lean. Just you know, minimal viable product, and I mean minimal viable product. Um, and then just making sure that we were able to add value, so back to the customer. And then we realized once we'd done that, um, we we hadn't put too much any you know, sort of 30, 30, 40 k of our own money, so um, it wasn't too much to be able to. But how did it feel to be, I guess, part of the experiment of Blackbird Flock, though? Oh, I I loved it. I mean, I'm loving it right now. So um, getting a chance uh, to have an access to, you know, to a bigger venture group mm. um, is, is amazing. That team who's, is who's now sitting us. on a $200 million fund or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, so it, it's good for us. It'll, it'll be great for our, you know, uh, promotional benefits as well. Um, but ultimately as well, we've got a, we've got a great team behind us um, that's also going to help so us. So how many grow. people are working at Hava now? Uh, we're now, um, what are we now? We're now four plus designers and a few other sort of out, outsourced components that, that we'll be doing. Um, and then there's a marketing and sales person coming on. So over the next year, there'll be about six of us in the team. So what does the growth curve look like from here? Uh, in terms of people, in terms of uh, customers? <laughs> well, in terms of the vision for the business. Um, so the vision for the business, Harvard, is, uh, Harvard in its current um, state is, is part one. As you were saying before, Harvard will grow to be a set of products that provides constant benefit and value back to not just the DevOps groups, but you know, IT and um, companies in general. Mm. Um, so growth-wise, um, we'll look to capitalize on everything that Harvard has today and a really rich feature set over the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, looking to take it to you know two or 300 paying customers um, is what we're looking at. Uh, that being said, we've already got over a thousand customers in the system now. Um, it's growing rapidly. Uh, so that's, that's the first part. And then there's already the additional components that are coming in. And that'll be somewhat part of the harvest suite, and that's where it will go. And then from there, that'll be the next stage. I think um, uh, uh, the on the investment side of that that thing, uh, that question is, um, you know, what what we look for is is ambitious founders, and that is, you know, um, when we raise amount of capital, you know, we have some milestones in in place, and then. And we go as fast as we can to hit those milestones. In mm. this case, there's already revenue, there's already customers, there's already you know referrals all happening. Um, and the milestones we're looking forward to are you know break even and then cash flow positive, which will then allow us to make all sorts of great choices yeah. as to how we how we get big again mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. Is Getting big fast, is that going to be easy to do in Australia? Are you going to win? Because you're going to need more capital, right? And two years ago you would have absolutely had to go overseas to get that capital. And do you think that now, because presumably, at least on your horizon, that there's going to be another capital raise and you use that to really, really go to, you know, build the international product. Do you think you'll have to go overseas for that? Do you think you'll be able to do that here? 
Well, it's uh, part of the, the Blackbird flock experiment is so um, Blackbird can get access to the next round. Right. Um, it, it, they take a small chunk now and, um, and you get um, first rights on the next round, same as any investment round. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the current investors um, get first right on the next round. So, you know, if and when there's that next capital round, um, we're hoping that Blackbird are there with us, ready to, um, to put in their, their um, big, big money at Series A. Yeah. Um, that's, where they, that's where they get their, that's where they make their real money from. Do you think that they'll be able to do the entire round? Possibly. Yeah, and I'd have to say as well, um, where James and I really started out, uh, James, my co-founder, mm. um, started out doing this. Um, we did talk to investors over in America. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, they wanted us to be in America. Yes. Um, and I'm ridiculously proud of, proud of what Australia does and what we export. And yes. And talent and product. Yes. Um, and so, no, we said we want to try and find the funding here in Australia. Um, I think I've talked to over 50 different firms in Australia. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of that has been through through Matter as well, which has been really great. Uh, but the you know the the want to invest is is here now mm. and, and that's the crazy thing that there is a very live ecosystem oh, yeah. no no, no it's capital. the last two years I, yeah. i'd like to think it was this podcast but i think <laughs> i think perhaps i think perhaps that's taking too much credit but there's been a real sea change and there's been a bunch of enabling things that have happened that have made it possible because you know um i had the founder of invoice to go on last series and you know there he had to raise 35 million and he didn't even think about raising it in australia because at the time he was thinking about it he couldn't do it now you could easily think about doing that kind of raise here yeah and hopefully, when the time comes that you need that $35 million raise, the Blackbird and maybe another fund are going to be here for that. Yep. Wow. Well, Peter, Matt, this has been a very interesting journey. I suspect that we will be hearing from you. I will invite you back on when you're ready to have that round. Yeah, I'll, I'll happily be on. <laughs> well, thank you both for being on Thanks this week time. in Startups Australia. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Hi, this is Mark Pesci, and I'm really pleased to talk about Twista's newest sponsor, API Days Australia. API Days is a world-class conference. It brings together business leaders, entrepreneurs, technologists to collaborate around building the business models of the 21st century, business models built from APIs. API Days is unique because it covers both the why and the how of digital business. One track focuses on business strategies. The other track focuses on technology and implementations. APIs are the future for every business that wants to innovate, grow, and compete in the connected century. And API Days is the event where you learn how. At Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre on March 1st and 2nd, find out more at au.apidays.io slash twista. The Startup Muster is a really interesting snapshot of the Australian startup community. It's been going for three, four years now, and it really allows us to understand what's going on, where, who, and in some sense, even why it's happening. And I had Monica Wolf on toward the end of Series 3 to talk about the 2015 Startup Muster. The results had just been released. And Monica is with us again today to talk about the results and the feedback she's been getting and to talk about the 2016 survey. Monica, welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you for having me. All right. So the survey is now out there. A lot of people have read it. What are you hearing from them about it? 
We got a lot of positive feedback from um, people within the ecosystem, uh, government, mm -hmm. uh, the media was quite favorable about it as well, um, because essentially we are the the gold standard of, of statistics related to the startup ecosystem. And where people might have been a year ago not as concerned about startups now, it's of course all startups all the time, all the states want to know about it, all the media outlets, some of that's Turnbull, some of that's just startup pixie magic some of its flavor of the month and so that means there's a lot more attention now right yeah so we released the last report exactly the friday before the innovation statement came out ah. and so that period was quite crazy because we were dealing with you know people uh, wanting to speak to us about the startup master and then also getting statements about the innovation statement so that was a really interesting time and now as we're moving on into this year and you know we've got Treasury are doing what they're doing and you know we're getting edging closer and closer to July 2016 there's mm -hmm. a lot more focus on what's in that innovation statement so it'll be interesting to see with this survey how people were faring last year and how it compares with the survey before that. Do you think there's going to have been enough time elapsed between when the survey was taken in 2015 which was the first half of 2015 right? It's always around January February. Okay um so I guess then it is quite different because at the very least, the atmosphere is quite different than it was a year ago. Exactly. We had the change of government. Um, also just... Well, we've had multiple changes yeah. of government because Which we had... One? <laughs> yeah, we yeah, had the exactly. Victorian government. We had the Palaszczuk government in Queensland. And both of them are going super, super hard on startups now, plus the change in the federal government in September. Yeah, exactly. So three changes of government. Yeah, and we see that with, you know, I'm really interested to see what Queensland's going to produce with what they've done with Advanced Queensland and all, all right. of the initiatives that they're offering and the partnerships that they've been building with, say, even Johnson & Johnson and how that's going to potentially impact how Queensland now looks in terms of med tech and health tech. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we had also we had launch, we had launch Vic last year, WA have Startup WA that came out. Mm -hmm. So it seems that everyone's getting a lot more serious in, um, well, got a lot more serious in 2015 about, you know, dealing with startups and having a voice for startups. So does that mean there's a lot more pressure on the startup muster because there's a lot more eyeballs pointed at the startup muster? We've always we've always created it with the mindset that it would be used for official uses mm -hmm. and that it would be the the gold standard for statistics. So, you know, the minds that we have behind it, even from a statistical point of view, are, are quite advanced. So we're not afraid of that. We want that. We want to have conversations. We want to... So this is your hour in the sun. <laughs> yeah, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, I, I always say we're as serious about stats as you are about your startup. Okay. So. All right. Okay, so now that it's out there, now that it's getting that attention, what are the specific little bits of feedback that you're hearing from people about what they're either surprised at or what they want more of or what they think there's too much of? So we we really were like, everyone, tell us what you think. We want to know. We want to grow. We want to make it as good as we can and as representative and reflective as possible. Um, and a lot of it has been, it's great, but we want more depth. We want more. We want to go deeper. Show us deeper. And so that's that's great to know because it's obvious that people are listening to what we're doing. But then we have to deal with the mix between overburdening overburdening the startup and therefore them not completing it mm -hmm. or not completing it accurately. So, because how many questions were there on last year's survey? Uh, Seventy-one. Okay, and that would take someone how long to go through all of those? It was like seven minutes. 
Oh, that's not okay. Yeah, that's not so, terribly long. Yeah, right. there's a lot of questions which are very s- simple to answer, and we we're also designing it in the mindset of we want to make it as simple as possible for mm. you to follow. And there's a lot of cohesion in how you follow it. So mm-hmm. there's a there's an approach to you know how we when we set different questions and how they all flow together. So most of the content in it should be top of mind. Okay. For right. for a founder or someone within uh, executive level within the startup. So how do you then deal with the pressure to get more about education or more about funding or more about why they came into startup land? How do you actually balance that pressure around having a thousand question survey? You start to get a bit smarter about the questions you've already designed, so mm-hmm. the ones that you've previ- previously used, and you look at them, you go, okay, well, that, those questions are very relevant. How can we now potentially change how people respond to them to make it a bit easier for them? And So you're getting agile. Yeah, yeah. totally getting agile, you know, <laughs> iterating and all that right. kind of stuff. It's great. Um, and then it's also we understand that, you know, we're going to try and do the best that we can, but ultimately we could have like 10 different surveys of, you know, 10 different components and we could survey people that are not in the startup ecosystem and see what they have to say and all that kind of thing. Okay, like there's, so that, there's so many interesting things we could be doing. But that begs the question, I mean, is is there a future where there is a main survey and then specifically targeted, like here's the survey about education mm-hmm. or here's the survey about funding or here's a survey about the climate in your particular state? I would love to see at this point where we'd have um, you know enough information from the initial survey that we're doing that you'd be able to create bespoke industry reports or a gender diversity report or something mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, but all of it does require startups to understand and and to be very generous with their time and their information and for them to really understand that we are one hundred percent for their privacy and we're one hundred percent here to support them and all of the insights that we gather and that we are able to produce ultimately are there to help shine a light on what startups are doing, what they're dealing with, and what we can hopefully help create in the future that will assist them. So in other words, what you're saying is fill the survey out. It's good for you. Yeah, it's kind of like exercise. You put it off. You don't want to do it. Then you do it and you start seeing results and they make you feel good. Mm-hmm. So... Um, look, no one, no one really enjoys filling in surveys, except if you're doing it for market research and for money. Um, <laughs> neither of which you're going to get <laughs> in this stage. Um, but you know, so it's it's all about understanding well, it, that it's for a bigger purpose. But in an interesting way, that's kind of less true than it was because, in fact, this may determine some, the way funding is getting thrown around by the states or the federal government now, right? Exactly. So, you know, if you're representative, like you're accurately representing what you're going through, mm. you know, no one's going to be seeing your raw data. It's it's literally put yourself out there mm. and just be honest because, so say you didn't, you tried to raise and you didn't raise enough. That's great to know because then we can start looking into or other people can start looking into, okay, well, don't we not have enough funding going on in that particular industry or that area or to do with that particular thing? Well, and this is going to be a big thing because, of course, the amount of money sitting in funds over the last year has just grown enormously. And so has that started to flow through? Are people getting the rounds they need? These are actually the questions that we now need to be tracking. And if you don't answer the survey, then we won't be able to track this and no one's going to be able to fix it because what's the rule? If you can't measure it, you can't change it. Yeah, 
And that's kind of like one of the things everyone loves about startups or technology is that, you know, say social uh, social media, everyone loves it because you can track it. There's metrics, there's, mm. you know, you can set milestones. And now, you know, that's just what we want to do. We want to just check out what's going on in the Australian startup ecosystem and allow much smarter people than myself to make decisions about oh, it. Okay, <laughs> so the 2016 survey opened what about a week ago, right? Yeah, so um, on Monday the eighth. Okay. Yeah. And where is that located on the web? It's on um, startupmaster.com. Start okay, so startupmaster.com, and yeah. we will link to that as well off yeah. of our Tumblr. So startupmaster.com, you go there and you fill out the survey, and you've done a good deed for yourself and for everyone else in the community. Exactly. And, and also it helps you kind of in a way even get your ducks in a row because some of the questions we do ask are, are quite personal ones to do with, you know, maybe revenue or something like that. And it's the beginning of the year. It's good to kind of clean house and go, okay, well, this is really where I'm at and mm-hmm. this is what I did. It's a really good way to just check yourself and be able to plan what you want to do in 2016. Okay. So you can actually come back to that at the end of the year and sort of go, okay, I overperformed, I underperformed. Yeah. Or I got it right on the barrel. Why not? No, absolutely. Okay, so how many companies did you get in 2015 or how many responses did you get? So we got over 1,300 responses, but then when we whittled it down and, you know, we we went for verified scalable startups, we got over 600. Okay. And given that there has been some substantial growth in startup land, how many are you aiming for of the over 600 from the over 600 this year? You know, I think, I I don't think it would be unbelievable to suggest we might have a thousand or or something like that um you know we had uh, what needs to happen for you to get that thousand answers because i think that i think you're right and i think that's really important so what can people do people who are listening to the show what can they do beyond filling out the survey themselves they can pass it on to their friends they can pass it pass the details on to any journalist they might know Mm -hmm. um anyone in the industry or the ecosystem that might want to help promote it um and you know just also raise awareness like a tweet about it would be fantastic like it's not i'm not asking you to go out and be a sales rep for startup muster but you know just the those kind of little things really help um help push out the word and um i mean for everyone that's not in new south wales like this is definitely an australian startup survey and right. perth i, w- I want to see what you got like right. you know south australia had three percent on the last the last um survey and i hope that that's not actually reflective this year i hope it will be a hell of a lot more so okay all right and this year the results will be back for everyone to look at when much faster than last year because as as we all know i've come on full time and we're Mm. building up our team and things are getting really serious um from a business point of view so they'll be out roughly around may Okay, so it's beautiful. So really, there's not much of a delay between filling out the survey in February and seeing the results in May. So exactly. it really is a very good snapshot. Monica, I want to wish you every success. I'm really, you know, in May, we will have you back on because we'll take a peek at the results. It's always really exciting. And thank you very much for coming on This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you. The Startup Muster started as a way for the startup community to learn more about itself, but it's grown into an indispensable tool for governments and organizations throughout Australia. The survey paints a picture, and that picture becomes a framework for policy. Because you can see it, you can change it. 
And that's exactly the principle behind Hava. Companies have access to immense and inexpensive cloud resources, but that doesn't mean they're well utilized or even understood. Hava paints a picture of the corporate cloud, one that makes it possible to understand and improve. If you can't see it, you can't fix it. Now, if you want to see photos of our guests or find links to their work, drop by our Tumblr at twistartupsaus.tumblr.com. You'll also find previous episodes, articles, lots more stuff. Check it out at twistartupsaus.tumblr.com. Big thanks to series sponsors Braintree and API Days Australia because their support keeps making this podcast possible. Thanks to Felix Wormuth and AnalogCabin.net for his hard work creating a podcast that's consistently wonderful to listen to. Thanks to Peter Gatt, Melbourne Matt Allen, and Monica Wolf for making the time to come on our show. And a big shout out to Melbourne's Team Square for giving Twista a nice room in which we interviewed Peter and Matt. We'll be back in a fortnight with a special about our robot masters. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.